Wounded Head, and I am here to talk to you today about our gospel text from the gospel according to Matthew. It's the 14th chapter, verses 13 through 21. Here's the text from the NRSV. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away, so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. The disciples replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, them, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, today's gospel lesson or reading is a miracle story. It's the Jesus feeding the 5,000. And this is the only miracle in the four gospels that appears in all four of them. So you know that it's an important story. It's important to the writers of this time and to their community that this is what Jesus does. He heals their sick and he has compassion for them. And they all have a little different flavor to them. If you look into the gospels and they all tell the story in a different way, some adding new elements, some bringing in a different perspective on what is a very common and important story to them. Well, I think that we can gain some wisdom from this and we can even find some sort of connection with it because we have common stories within our families and in our in our communities and in our places that that we all know very very well and if you ask any one individual about their perspective on this story and whatever story it might be and why it's important they will all tell you different details and little different ideas and um, topics and things come to their mind and hopefully they tell you those stories and the different details and things that are important to them. For me, one of the things that I believe is a common story in our family is my grandma Eileen's cinnamon rolls. Now, when I was growing up, my grandmother was uh, a homemaker on the farm uh, just east of the Jim River on Highway 50 in the southeastern part of South Dakota. And I think the tradition started with my aunt and the church decided we had a community youth group. So there were uh, Lutherans, there were Methodists, 
and even a few Catholics thrown in there. And we had Lenten breakfasts where we would meet before school. We'd meet at seven o'clock. And at first, I really didn't care for those breakfasts because it, it was a seven o'clock, right? I mean, you got to get up early during the season of Lent and, you know, it's basketball season usually during that time. And so you're kind of tired, kind of physically worn out. And so at first, it didn't really seem like something that was that important. But as it went on, I looked forward to that time. And, and so my uncles continued that tradition. They're only a couple years older than I am. And when I was um, the lone family member in the youth group, I went to my grandmother and I asked her if she would make cinnamon rolls for us for the season of Lent. And she did. And I remember the smell of she made frosted cinnamon rolls and she made caramel rolls. And she always made for us three dozen, which was way too much because we usually had maybe maybe a dozen kids that would show up for these breakfasts. So I always had more than I needed. And every time I would go to school, I'd be surrounded with other kids who wanted a cinnamon roll that was made by my grandma Eileen. I think that tradition continued on um, through my sisters. So, I mean, geez, probably about maybe 15, 20 years of my grandmother making cinnamon rolls for the church. That's a long time. And I bet... If you ask them some semblance of the story, that they would they would share something about it, about how it was important that it created for us just this, not only this sense of community, but also that that we were bringing something from our family that was important, something that was homemade, something that we know that our grandmother labored on um, every Tuesday. Got to make three dozen cinnamon rolls for the kids. That's an important story for us and for our family, I think. And so this story, too, is important for those early Christians, those early followers of Jesus, this story of Jesus feeding the multitudes. This importance of this common story, I think, comes from the fact that Jesus does what Jesus always does, and that he reveals God's promises to us. And in this place, it's in the form of miracles and how he does that. And it makes me think about miracles and, and how we, we look for them, we pray for them, we long for God's revelation to us to bring us blessings, good things, whatever it might be. We look for the miracles in our lives. And these miracles, they don't always happen, right? Sometimes what we pray for isn't what we receive or what we see, but in some way, shape, or form, God is revealing himself to us in many different ways. And it's usually in the ways that we see as insignificant, things that we will gloss over, things that we'll forget, things that we just kind of see as, as not that important or they're insignificant. But when these miracles do happen, in our lives, just like the people that were here present in this gospel story, they went and shared the story. It's an important enough story for them to be able to tell and share about it because it's so integral to who they are and their identity. Nowadays, we don't share stories so much. We don't share all of these little things where we 
encounter new life, where we encounter the good things in our life, because we can get caught up in the mess in a hurry. And it happens to all of us. We just we get so inundated with all of the things that it just can be overwhelming. And so we don't see the places where we are experiencing new life in Christ. I think when we do share stories, the stories tend to be individual. The stories tend to be about, you know, ourselves and, and us. And I was reminded of this when I went to my hometown to preside at a wedding. And one of the members there came up to me and he said, well, you did a, you did a pretty good job, but you're not as good as at this as you were at kicking a football, which <laughs> made me laugh because, well, yeah, sure. I could kick a football, right? I, I, I could tell you the stories, you know, about the times in my, my glory days when I was young and fit and I could do all these different things that I can't do anymore because that was a long time ago. But then that story becomes about me, right? Bruce Springsteen in his great song, Glory Days, tells this story about, you know, baseball pitcher. And that's all he wanted to talk about. Wanted to talk about the glory days and all the, the great things that happened through sport. Remembering all those times of the, the things that we used to be. We get caught up in that. Because they were good times. They made us feel good. They made us feel important. They made us feel as if we something special was going on. But we have to remember that the story, this grand narrative, isn't about us. I believe in this miracle that happened in the gospel according to Matthew and all the gospels where Jesus feeds the multitudes. That Jesus could have done it by himself. There's no reason that he couldn't have done that. But Jesus leads the disciples to understand that he needs them. He says they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, people will talk about, you know, probably the uh, that it became sort of this great holy potluck. And we try to rationalize. How could this happen? Because, you know, really, it's hard for us to believe in miracles. But that's not the point. The miracle isn't the point. The point is that God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is telling us that he doesn't have to act alone. He chooses not to. The disciples helped. And he could do more miraculous things, but again, that's not the point. He chooses us to direct, to help. And to point out where God is active within the world, within our lives, in the small, insignificant things. Whenever we see Jesus in the community, we have to see, stop, and share. I saw this today. A couple of weeks ago, this happened to me. And this, this is how God saved my life, saved that life, created new life, because that's what God does. God is the creator. God is the one who gives life. And even though we don't understand it all the time, even though we try to rationalize and 
wrap our heads around what God is doing. What God is doing is revealing to us in the small, seemingly insignificant things that he brings us to new life constantly in Christ, all of the time. And what we see as insignificant, God sees as blessing. What we see as unimportant, God sees as valued. The things that we forget, God remembers. And so today, I want you to think about that. The small things, the things that, that God, that we see as insignificant, as small, as unimportant. Where do we see God active in all those things? Where do we see God blessing the world? Where do we see God creating new life, helping us to build a common story, to connect ourselves into this grand narrative of the creator of the universe doing great things in the things that we just gloss over. So where do you see God active in your life? What is God revealing to you? Where is this revelation of new life in your story? And see that God has connected us all in this grand narrative. And usually, we see it's in a So thanks be to God. Have a great week.